0: Praise the Lord. It's already been good being in the house of the Lord this morning. There is nothing better than being in the presence of God with the people of God right here in this place. Blesses my soul. I'm so thankful for it. It's refreshing to me. It becomes an addiction, man. I just. I long for, I'm desperate for the presence of God to experience his power and presence in my life, man. What an amazing thing. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us into uh, the presence of the Lord through praise and worship this morning. We sing that song that I love, Reckless Love, and I was reading just this past week with, about some people who had who took issue with that song, Reckless Love. They, they were saying about how that um, they didn't believe God's love to be reckless, but man, when you think about what God has done for us and what he continues to do for us. I can't think of a better word to describe God's love in a lot of cases than reckless. I love how the song puts it. The song says there's not a shadow he won't light up or a mountain he won't climb up, a wall he won't tear down, or a door he won't kick down getting to you. Now, what that says to me is what I have experienced in my own personal life. Whatever obstacle is keeping you from Jesus, he will completely obliterate to get you to him or him to you. It's amazing what God, how God does that. I, whatever shadow of doubt you have, he will shine his light into that. Whatever uh, obstacle, whatever mountain you might be facing, he can completely tear that down to show you who he is and what he's done for you. To shine his light of the glorious gospel into the darkness. And I'm so very thankful for that truth this morning. Isn't God good? Take your Bibles, turn with me please to John chapter number 14. This morning I want to speak to you on the subject of God the Holy Spirit. There are several reasons why I want to share with you this truth straight from God's word. The first one being simply because as your pastor I feel led to do so. How many of you know that I need to be spirit-led if I'm going to be effective? How many of you know if, if we're going to do anything of any importance, we as a church body must be spirit-led? And so I am encouraging you, I'm begging you even, to pray for your pastor that I would be spirit-led in everything we do and everything I say From This pulpit because how many of you know you don't need my plans. You don't need my opinions You don't need what I have to say. We all need God's truth as it applies to our life And we all need it at a specific time and for specific reasons And the only way we can get a hold of God's truth for a specific time for specific reasons in our lives is if we are being Spirit-led can you say amen? And so I'm asking you to pray for your pastor that I be spirit-led in in all that I share. And that's why I'm sharing this this morning. I really had plans on doing something a little bit different. I was going to start this morning on our Christmas messages. And Lord willing, we'll start that next week on this great gift that God has given us at Christmas time. And so hope and pray that you'll be here for us next Sunday as we begin that. And we'll be preaching on what Christmas means to us and for us throughout the month of December. So we'll be praying for that as well. But this morning... I wanna to preach to you on God the Holy Spirit. First of all, because God led me to do so, but secondly, I grew up in a great church, I really did, in a Bible-believing church. And, and I grew up, when I say in church, I want you to know what I'm speaking of. I remember something that David Jeremiah said years ago that I, certainly applies to my life. He said when he was a little boy, he had a drug problem. He said he was drugged to church on Sunday morning, he was drugged to church on Sunday night, he was drugged to church on Wednesday night. He's drugged to church for um, the Baptist men's meeting. He's was drugged to church for, I myself was drugged to church even with, for some uh, WMU meetings. And that wasn't a bad thing. That was a good thing, man. I, I'm so thankful that my parents put serving the Lord, or made serving the Lord a priority in our life. I'll never forget, my dad got when I was about 11 years old, and it radically changed his life. I mean, because it changed his life, then it also changed the, 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 the direction of the family. I'm, I'm talking about greatly. Overnight, it was like daylight and dark, what God did. And I'm so very, very thankful for that. Um, and, and so from that moment on, there was never a question on where we were going to be at church time. We never had to ask, are we going to church today? That wasn't even an option. You knew that when it was time to go worship the Lord, that's where we were going to be. I'm thankful for that because in those churches that I was brought to, I was under the preaching and teaching of people who believed in the authority of Scripture. in people, uh, I was under, the, under people who believed in the absolute truth of God's Word. And man, that is so vitally important that we get a hold of truth. Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will do what? It'll set you free. It'll make you new in Christ. And I'm so very thankful that I had the opportunity and the great privilege of being in some some Bible churches. I'm talking about with people who preached and taught the absolute truth of God's Word. And in those churches, I heard messages um, continually, countless messages on the person of God the Father. And rightly so. How many of you know we ought to be preaching about God the Father? (laughs) I heard about how God... Was omnipotent that he is all-powerful and it was just by his spoken word that all of creation happened I heard about Psalm 147 in verse number 4 says he tells the number of the stars and he calls them all by their names I heard scripture like Psalm 8 in verse number 3 where it says the stars themselves are the handiwork of God isn't that amazing I want you to think about those two verses real quickly. That shows me two truths about who God is. First of all, God is truly omnipotent. He is all-powerful. If the stars are his, are the works of His fingers, what could He do with His whole hand? He is all-powerful. But the Bible also teaches in those two verses, in Psalm 147 and 4, it says, He knows the number of the stars. Not only does He know their number, but He calls them by their names. He is omniscient. He has all knowledge. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God who is great. Can you say amen? He is creator. And we praise Him for being just that. We're thankful that He is great. And He shows His greatness through His creation. But Father, I want to say something to you. I'm also thankful this morning. He's good. How I many of you know a God that is all-powerful, a God that is omnipotent, a God that is that great doesn't have to be good. He could be malicious. He could be vindictive, but He's not. He's gracious and He's loving and He's holy and He's righteous and He's just. He don't have to show me love. He don't have to show me grace. He don't have to show me mercy. He don't have to show me forgiveness. But because He loves me, He does. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Because he is creator, we know his greatness. Because he is father, we know his goodness. And he is truly a good, good father. So I'm going to keep preaching on God the father. Can you say amen? (laughs) And growing up, I heard a lot of messages on God the son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And rightly so. The scripture says in Acts 4 and 12, there is no other name under heaven whereby men might be saved except the name of Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 10 and verse 11 says that at the name of jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is lord of lords and king of kings do you believe it jesus is lord of lords he is king of kings if we don't preach about jesus and let men know who the savior is how can they be saved if we don't preach about the finished work of christ the gospel message then how can the family of God grow? So we're going to keep preaching about Jesus. We're going to keep preaching about the power in the blood. We're going to keep singing about it. We're going to keep lifting up Christ in every way we possibly can because the Bible says if we lift him up, he'll draw all men into himself. We're going to keep praising him. We're going to keep worshiping him because he alone is worthy of honor, glory, and praise. It's not about us. It's about Him. So rightly so, we ought to be preaching about Jesus. We ought to be preaching about God the Father. Heard a lot of messages, about countless messages about God the Father and God the Son. But i got to be honest with you. Even though I grew up in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, I can probably count on one hand the number of messages I heard growing up on God the Holy Spirit. I just didn't hear that much about it. Maybe you grew up in churches like that as well. That's very sad. For a lot of reasons. Number one, we believe in the Holy Trinity. We believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Son. And we believe in God the Holy Spirit. Now why do we believe that? We believe that because the Word of God teaches that from Genesis to Revelation. We believe... In what God's Word says, and God's Word says, we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Trinity. Now, you say, well, brothers, will explain that. Well, I don't know that I can. I can give it my best shot. See, the Holy Trinity is, that, is the belief, the doctrine that, uh, listen, we have one God who reveals himself to us in three distinct personalities. One God three persons. We believe that God the Father is just as much God as God the Son, and God the Son is just as much God as God the Father, and we believe God the Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Son and God the Father. They are equal in the Trinity. All three God, all three one. Now, I told you I got a problem explaining this. I heard a lot of different explanations that really do a good job with it. I don't think we can we're ever going to fully explain it, but I heard someone say one time that the Holy Trinity is like water. He said, just like water has three separate forms. But all three forms are still H2O. You've got water uh, in its liquid form. You've got water in its solid form, which is ice. And then you've got water in its gaseous state, which is water vapor. All three um, are revealed differently. But now listen to me. They all three are H2O. I like that. I think that goes a long way in explaining the Trinity. But it still doesn't fully explain it. When you get right down to where the rubber meets the road, when you really start thinking about that and logically reasoning it out and and looking at how what the word of God says, it's hard to explain it. Let me tell you why it's so difficult to explain that. Because we have a finite mind trying to understand an infinite mind. We have a temporal body trying to understand and explain that which is eternal. And folks, listen to me. If I myself can explain everything there is to know about God, then God is no bigger than I am. So you, like me, may have a hard time explaining the Holy Trinity. And if you are like me and have a hard time explaining, We're in pretty good company. One of the greatest preachers who ever lived, who's known as the Prince of Preachers, was a man by the name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I love Charles Spurgeon. If you're looking for some good reading material other than the Word of God, let me give you a few. Holy Hour Power by Charles Spurgeon absolutely changed my life. Morning and Evening Devotions by Charles Spurgeon. Absolutely amazing I would agree with those who said he's one of the greatest preachers who ever lived I never heard him preach, but I've read several of his sermons several of his books and the brother was used of God greatly Let me tell you what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said concerning the Trinity. He said that to explain the Trinity one would lose his mind I get where he's going with that When I start thinking about how big God is and the truth concerning the Trinity I I come to the end of myself really quickly. And to logically, reasonably explain all that, I can't do it. Again, it's a finite mind trying to explain the infinite. So I get where he's saying that you'd lose your mind to try and explain it. He said, but to explain it away is to lose your soul. It's truth whether we understand it or whether we believe it. Your belief in something. Listen to me now. Or unbelief in something. Has no bearing on the truth of that something. I, I, I deal with this with people all the time. You know, you give them truth from scripture. And, and you even give them evidence. Of, to back it up over and over and over again. And they'll say a lot of us don't believe that. Well that, that doesn't change anything. It's amazing to me how arrogant some people are. Well, it's just like their non-belief is going to change truth. No, it don't change truth. It just makes you a non-believer. It don't change truth. It just keeps you from experiencing the God who loves you. That's all it does. Listen to me, folks. I can't fully explain it. But I'm not going to explain it away. Why? Because I see evidence of it in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. I'm talking about the Holy Trinity. And I also see evidence of the working of God the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son in my own personal heart and life. Amen? That's why I believe it. That's why I believe it. So let's go further in this. Who is God the Holy Spirit? Because if we miss out on that truth, We miss out on so much of what God has for us. There's four things that I want us to see. First of all, I want you to see the person of God the Holy Spirit. I want to give you two statements concerning God the Holy Spirit. Number one, God the Holy Spirit is not an it, but a he. It's not a thing, but a person. (laughs) Now listen to me. He is a person. Person. And we know he is a person because how the Bible refers to him. Look how Jesus puts it right here in John chapter number 14, verse number 15, verse number 16. Look what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Now pay close attention to that word, another. The word another means one like unto myself. So what Jesus is, I'm going to pray to my Heavenly Father, and I'm going you one like unto myself and he's going to comfort you. The word comforter there in the Greek is again the word parakletos which means one who comes alongside and helps you. So what's Jesus saying? He's actually saying this I will pray the Father he shall give you one like unto myself he'll come alongside and help you and he's going to abide with you forever. This is how Jesus himself God the Son explains God the Holy Spirit. He says he's one just like me. Well Jesus is the person isn't he? That means God the Holy Spirit, as being just like Jesus, is also a person. If he is a person, then he will exhibit a personality. And we see that in scripture. We that the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians 4 and 30, and I'm going to be going in a lot of different places this morning. You don't have to turn with me, but I do want to encourage you to write these scriptures down. Go back and look at them for yourself. But but we're going to be going through the Bible this morning, so please just hang on, all right? Ephesians 4 and 30 says that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Amen? If If he can be grieved, if he can be saddened, that means he has personality. He feels just like we feel. He exhibits joy, the Bible teaches. He teaches truth. We're going to see that in just a moment. He is a person. He's not an it. You need to get a hold of that. But not only do we need to understand the Holy Holy Spirit is a he and not an it, we also need to see he is just as much God as God the Father and God the Son. We see this evidence in creation itself. Everybody take your Bibles and keep your place there in John 14 and flip over with me to Genesis chapter number 1. I want to share with you truth concerning creation that teaches us of the power of God the Holy Spirit, of the oneness of God the Holy Spirit with God the Father and God the Son. Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us. Everybody say us. Now, I don't know how you were taught language, but when I hear the word us, I think of two or more. Would you agree? Now, what is the Bible saying when it says... God said, let us. One God who reveals himself in three distinct persons with personalities says, let us make men in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fish of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Everybody got it? So God said, let us make man. Let us Create man in our image after our likeness. Let us give him dominion. <laughs> are you seeing it? Now, who are the us? Well, we know God the Father's there. Genesis one says that... In the beginning, God, and that word God there is speaking of God the Father as Creator. In the beginning, God the Father created heaven and the earth. We know He's there, according to Genesis one one. Let me say, tell you who else is there. The Bible also teaches God the Son was there at creation. Go to chapter one, verses one through three, brothers, if you will, please. One. One through three. Listen how the Bible describes the Lord Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. The Word being Jesus, and the Word or Jesus was with God, and the Word or Jesus was God. Look at verse two. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse three. And all by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. So in the beginning, who was there with God the Father? Jesus, God the Son. We know God the Father's there. We know. The sun is there. We know God the Holy Spirit is there. How do we know that? Genesis 1-2. Put that on the screen please. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. And the earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit. Everybody say the Spirit. There's a reason why the Spirit there has a capital letter at the beginning of it. Because the Spirit there is speaking of none other than God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. So in creation. And in the work of creation, you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, if you believe it's so. evidence in Scripture. Not only do we see it at the work of creation, but in the work of salvation we see the Son and God the Holy Spirit. I've heard it said that God the Father. We know that. Genesis chapter, or excuse me, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he did what? Amen. So it was the purpose and plan of God the Father to send his Son. To send his Son so that we might have eternal life, according to John three sixteen. Isn't that right? Isaiah 53, verse number 10, one of the most powerful scriptures in all the word of God. The Bible says there that it pleased God the Father to bruise his son. Now think about that just a minute, moms and dads. The Bible says it pleased God the Father to put his son on a Roman cross, to have him beat with head of nine tails, to be wounded for our transgressions and to be bruised for our iniquities, it pleased God the Father to do this. Why? Because that's the only way we could be saved. How much does God love you? Romans 5 and 8, but God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was the purpose and plan to send His Son. God the Father purposed And planned salvation. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus, God the Son, purchased salvation. Amen? Look look in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. Watch this. I love this scripture. Ephesians 1, verse number 13 in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. What's the gospel? The gospel is the truth of the finished Listen, his death for the sins of all mankind, he died on the cross, not for his wrong, but for my wrong and for your wrong, so that our sin debt could be paid. The Bible says not only did he die on a cross, but he was buried in a tomb. But praise the Lord, he didn't stay there. He arose the third day. This is the gospel message. He died for us. He rose again from the tomb. Listen to me, folks. This is God's plan for salvation that was purchased by Jesus. Watch what it says here. In whom also after that you believe. Believe what? Believe the gospel. That's what he's talking about. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14. Which is the earnest of our inheritance and the redemption of the purchased possession Do you know that Jesus purchased you and I with his precious blood through his finished work, through his gospel work? Isn't that good? God the Father purposed and planned salvation. God the Son purchased salvation. Let me say this. God the Holy Spirit performs the work of salvation in our life. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says that we are all baptized into one body by the same Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I have got Baptist brothers and sisters in Jesus. And I've got some Pentecostal brothers and sisters in Jesus. I had a lady the other day. She said, I've been watching your uh, Facebook Live for your church service. She said, I think you're Baptistal. Well, maybe. I don't know. But I I do have some Pentecostal brothers and sisters, no doubt. I've got some non-determination brothers. I've got some Baptist brothers and sisters. You know what? I've even got some brothers and sisters. I do. There are believers all over this world. Sometimes we want to label too much. Hey, listen to me. We are all baptized into one body. By one spirit. And that is a work of God the Holy Spirit at salvation at the moment of conversion. But that continues throughout our lives. That's what we've been studying about in Galatians chapter 5. Those fruits of the spirit that are to be evident as we walk in the spirit and don't walk in the flesh. Are you getting me? work of creation, we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In the work of salvation, we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When I'm talking to you about the person of God the Holy Spirit, I want you to know that he is a he. He's not an it. And he's just as much God as God the Father and God the Son. Not only do I want you to see the person of God the Holy Spirit, I also want you to see the place of God the Holy Spirit. And this just cranks my tractor every time I think about it. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 16. how the Bible puts this. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Ye are now, he's speaking to believers, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Everybody see that? Every single believer who placed their trust in Jesus as Savior has been indwelled by the precious Holy Spirit. Every one of them if you have placed faith in Christ, you now have God the Holy Spirit living in you. Can you say amen? You need to know that because for a long time I listened to people who said that listen, you don't have God unless you perform certain acts as mentioned in the Word of God. Listen to me folks. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. We all have different gifts because of the work of the Spirit in our life. Every one of us he's the one who does the work of salvation he's the one who baptizes you into the body he's the one who makes all the difference every believer has the resident of God the Holy Spirit in their life 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 the apostle Paul says we have this treasure in earthen vessels isn't that the truth amen At conversion, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. That makes the Holy Spirit resident. As we are continually filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit, that makes Him president. And that's when stuff begins to change with you. That's when you begin exhibiting those fruits of love and joy, peace, patience, faith. Faith. All of those fruits that you've been talking about. He works in you, on you, and through you. Amen? The place of the Holy Spirit is within us. I've heard it said that in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, God had a temple for his people. Under the New Covenant, because of what Jesus has done, God now has a people for his temple. God dwells in us. Oh, listen, folks. This building is not the building of God. It's not the house of God. When all of the church leaves, guess what? This is just an empty building. That's all it is. This is not where God dwells. This is where God dwells. In us, in the church, we are the church. Again, we don't come to church. We are the church. He lives in us. You need to see the person of the Holy Spirit. You need to see the place of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you this one now. Listen to me. You've got to be the power of the Holy Spirit. Look, Look in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And let's just begin there. At verse number 3. Acts chapter 1 verse 3. Jesus has already went to the cross. He was sacrificed for our sins, buried in a tomb. Three days later, he arose that first Easter morning. All of that has already happened. Now look what it says in verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or after his crucifixion by many infallible proofs. So what Dr. Luke is telling you is that he's giving you eyewitness accounts of Jesus being alive after the tomb. What separates Jesus from Muhammad? The resurrection. He overcome the tomb. What separates Jesus from all the Buddhas? He overcome the tomb. What separates Jesus from every other religious leader? And I don't even like calling Jesus a religious leader. He's not. Christianity is not actually a religion. It's a relationship with God Almighty. Praise the Lord. But what separates Jesus from every other religious leader? He overcame the tomb. That's what made all the difference. And Luke said, we saw him. There are many infallible proofs. Eyewitness accounts that this happened. Being of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. The promise of what? The promise that we read about in John 14, 15, when he said, I'm going to give you another one just like myself, the comforter that's going to come alongside and help you. He said, wait for the promise, saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he saith unto him it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Look what he says, though. But you shall receive power. Everybody say power. After the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power. Again, the Greek there is dunamis. It's the same word that we get dynamite from. Let me tell you about my two favorite days that I ever had working for the state of Alabama. I worked for the highway department and there's two days that stick out in my memory above everything else. I've been working for them now for about 21 years. and so, But these two days really stick out. I actually went and with a guy who blew up beaver dams for a living. You're talking about a fun two days. We had some fun, I'm telling you. We went all over Marion County blowing up roads that was um, causing harm to either the shoulder of the road or the road itself, or or danger in some way to the traveling public. We'd blow up these beaver dams. And and after about the second day, I got to knowing the guy pretty good and and, uh, got to be good friends with him. And he began telling me how all of that worked and how much you put in each hole and how you do it. And and I was helping him do all of that, man, just having a good time. We got over to uh, Highway 13, right outside of Eldridge. And and there was a huge beaver dam over there. I've never seen one like it. It was about, I, I could stand at the bottom of it where it was built around a culvert. And I could stand in the bottom of that at the culvert. And the beaver dam was about two foot higher than I could reach. It had, it had built pond of water out there, you know, behind that, that had to be taken care of. That was going to cause the whole road to wash away if it were to break, and so we were going to blow it up. And so we're down in that hole, and he says, man, I don't know about this, one. he said, that's going to take a lot. He said, I think I'll put three. I said, shoot, if I was you, man, I'd I'd do at least six. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, he listened to me. For what reason? I don't know. I'd just been on the job a day and a half. I didn't know nothing. All I knew about Donald beaver dams was what he had taught me. But he listened to me. He shoved six, six into this beaver dam. And then we back off with the detonator, the, the, detonator, the cord thing that you tie to it. Uh, we got way back, and, and rightly so, for good reason. And man, he set that thing off and sticks and mud and probably beavers <laughs> went flying everywhere all over Highway 13. I mean, it changed the whole landscape of what was going on around there. Now, every time I read Acts 1-8, that's what I think about. And you shall receive dunamas, dynamite power. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What's it for? To blow up beaver dams? No. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be what? See, some of you right now have felt led to witness to some lost friends or loved ones, workmates, classmates. You know they need Jesus and you know you're supposed to be telling them about Jesus. And deep down on the inside, you desire to do so. You really do, but you're scared to death. Anybody ever get scared to witness? I'll put this one up too. Me too. You're not the only one. Let me give you some truth though from the Word of God. The Bible promises after the Holy Spirit comes, He'll give you power. Power that you ain't got to become witnesses for Him. If you'll step out in faith and do what God has called you to do, He'll give you the power to do it. You say, brothers, how do you know it? Because I've experienced it in my own life. He never fails me. He does it. Step out in faith. Do what God's called you to do. Be a witness by his power. And he says, you're going to do it in Jerusalem. You're going to do it in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Wherever God opens the door, start at home first and move out as God allows you to do it. And by God's power, be his witness. That power comes from the person of God the Holy Spirit. Amen? You need to see, folks, the person of the Holy Spirit. You need to see the place of the Holy Spirit. He's in us. You need to see the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to see the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, John chapter 16, and I'm closing. Watch what he says here. John 16, further talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit that's coming. He says, but now I go away to him that has sent me. It's John 16, 5. And none of you asking me whether goest thou because but because i've said these things unto you sorrow hath filled your heart he said nevertheless i tell you the truth it is expedient for you that i go away he's talking to his disciples said i've got to go away because if i don't go away the comforter can't come look how he puts it for if i go not away the comforter will not come unto you but if i depart i will send him unto you and when he has come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say to you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you. Everybody say, Guide you. He will guide you into all truth while wow, he's our teacher. He guides us into the truth of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for us. This is his purpose. Anybody who says they're operating by the power of the Holy Spirit and don't glorify Jesus, don't you listen to them. Anybody who says operating by the power of the Holy Spirit all about Jesus, don't listen to them. Because the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to finish the work Jesus started in the earth. Amen? That's it. He will guide you into all truth, but he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you. Isn't that good news? The Lord has put one in us as believers, just like himself, that comes alongside to help us so that we might be what he saved us to be. See, God knew I couldn't do it when he saved me, and God knew you couldn't do it when he saved you, so he gave you a piece of himself. Amen? Inside every believer so that we might do the work of the body. Everybody stand together. Brother, we ain't gonna have an invitation this morning. Do you know God loves you? Brothers and sisters, He loves you with an unconditional Everlasting love. I want you to know that. He's got a purpose and a plan for you. Brother Kyle spoke about that this morning in his time of devotion. Man, did a great job. And he's right. God's got purpose for each and every believer. But that purpose cannot be accomplished without the power and the work of God the Holy Spirit. Without him working on us, in us, and through us. And for that to happen, he's got to be in control. Amen? He's got to be leading, guiding, and guiding. Ephesians 3. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. How do you know God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we can even think of? He can go further than our minds can even comprehend. God wants to do big things with his people. Amazing things through his people. Let me tell you how he's going to do it. According to the power that works in us. We can fulfill our purpose. We need to fulfill our purpose. But if we're going to, it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Lord, have your way. I want to pray for you this morning before we close. I got just a few announcements that I do need to make to you. First of all, remember Wednesday night Bible study each and every Wednesday starting at 6 o'clock with Supper with the Saints, 7 o'clock for our Bible study. We're studying the book of Galatians. Come out this Wednesday and be with us. Also remember tonight will be our Hang of the Green service. And I lo- it's one of my favorite services of all the year. Man, you want to get ready for Christmas? This is a great way to do it. You want to worship Jesus with some of those great Christmas songs that we all know and love? This is a great way to do it. It really gets you in, in, in the uh, spirit of Christmas, man. It, it really does. I love this time. Come back and be with us this evening. I've come to. There's two different types of Christmas people. You've got Christmas people who love Christmas, but they think Christmas ought to only be celebrated at Christmas time. You can't play Christmas music before Thanksgiving. You can't put up decorations before Thanksgiving. And when Christmas is over, it's time for the decorations to come down. There's a lot of people in that camp. Would you agree? And then you have the other side. This is what I call the crazy Christmas people. I happen to be married to one of the crazy Christmas people. She listens to Christmas music all year long. She actually records Hallmark Christmas movies and watches them through March. I mean, over and over and over again. She loves Christmas that much and she'd leave the tree up year round. She loves it. Not only does she have one tree, she has 14 trees in her house. Not hardly that many, but almost. It's everywhere. Christmas everywhere. Now, she loves it. Now, whether you're on that side of the the equation or you're on the other side, Now we can all celebrate Christmas. It's after Thanksgiving, isn't it? And so tonight, we're going to get in the Christmas spirit. We're going to come enjoy some good Christmas songs. We're going to fellowship one with another. We're going to have a good time. Invite somebody to come back and be with you at 5 o'clock. All right? 5 o'clock tonight. Hang into the green. Directly following that, we'll have fellowship over in the fellowship hall. Anything else? Yes? There you go. Also, if you're going to Atlanta next week to work with the Christmas Shoebox Ministry, you need to see Miss Becca before you leave today. And she's over in Children's Church over at the Fellowship Hall. So when you leave here and if you're going to Atlanta, go meet with her before you go. Also, deacons, I want to meet with you for about five minutes before we leave as well. And we'll do it back in this back Sunday school room. If there's nothing else, I love you. Have a great day. Come back this evening. Let's pray together. Father, again, thank you for who you are, for what you've done. Thank you for the gift of Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing for us what we can't do, for performing the work of salvation at the time of conversion and throughout our lives. Lord, we're asking that you work on us, work in us, and work through us to accomplish your goodwill and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.